Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. This is our attempt to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. We believe every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Uh, we got a really special episode today. I'm super excited about it. Um, you know, Seth is, has just moved to Kansas City and we've just wrapped up numbers. And so I thought we would give Seth a little bit of a break and um, spend some time with another really, really close friend of mine um, named Taylor Walling, who uh, is in Dallas, Texas, the Metroplex area. And uh, actually he's in Fort Worth, North Richland Hills area. Thank it's, you for the correction. You're, you're welcome. Yeah, because yeah, anyone in Texas would be like, "That's not Dallas." It's true. And they would get all mad at me. Uh, and so um, I, I'm just excited to talk to him. We've been wanting to do this for several months now uh, to have this conversation because Taylor is someone with which I've had so many of the conversations that led to um, spoken gospel and what it is um, over the years. We've both influenced each other in a variety of ways over the years. Um, and it's kind of culminated in what has become a nuanced homogenized view. We don't agree on everything. Yeah, no, that's for sure. But uh, we definitely share core values. Um, and especially when it comes to seeing Jesus in all of scripture. And uh, it's been kind of fun for me because I kind of got to process with you while I was walking through these new convictions of seeing the gospel and seeing Jesus and all of scripture while you were in public ministry and I was in public ministry and we got to see how that affected both of our ministries. Right. And so I really uh, am excited today to talk to you about your journey. And then I think next week we'll spend some time talking about my journey and we'll let you do the interviewing. Yeah, which I'm looking which forward to. I'm scared. I'm, I'm admittedly a little bit nervous for you to interview me. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Partly because like when the Spoken Gospel podcast got started. I just enjoyed just and still do listening to you and Seth. So for me, it's a little <laughs> bit weird to be like, where is where's so the comforting presence of Seth Stewart? I know right the calming now. voice of Seth Stewart I to know. balance the bulldog, David. <laughs> uh, and uh, and so and then hopefully t in two weeks' time, we'll sit down and talk about um, like some best practices as because yeah. you're a preacher, so you constantly have to open the Word of God and talk to people about it. And right. so, like, what is a good gospel turn? What is a irresponsible one? So we're going to talk about that in a yes, couple weeks. Yes, because I feel like, you know, one of the things that's so great about this podcast is getting to listen to you and Seth when, when I know you guys have studied and you've, you're working on, you know, a master's graduate level mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And, you know, there's so many people out there not who haven't studied that. And, I you know, I love help, helping to make it more accessible mm. and try and... Uh, it'll be exciting to dive into that on that that third uh, piece. Yeah, I'm excited about because we don't really ever get to, get to spend a ton of time talking about the whys and the like the guardrails exactly. to put up around yeah. those kinds of things. So I think that'll be helpful. Uh, but anyway, uh, today we, I want to hear your story. So um, tell me just a little bit about like what Baby Taylor was like and <laughs> where he grew up and all the things that was that constituted his surroundings yeah. and so and get to know you. Oh, before we do that, actually, uh, hold okay. on. I think what would be better is let's talk about how we met. And so all right. we went to college together. Oklahoma Christian University. Oklahoma Christian University. Uh, you were the English major. That's right. Who went into preaching. 
Yep. And I was the Bible major who went into poetry. That's right. That's <laughs> I, I love I love getting to tell people that whenever whenever like our relationship or friendship comes up and we uh, I got super into slam poetry. Mm-hmm. And found out that you uh, had recently had, also gotten into exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And so I remember there uh, there was a place that we would go uh, that you and I started going to on a weekly basis. That was my senior year. Galileo's. Galileo's. Now closed due to back taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Galileo's. RIP. Um, and I remember listening to terrible poetry. Oh, yes. And some really good poetry. Yes. Uh, some talented poets there. And then also like us writing just the most angsty oh we were so college angsty yes yes big time and like you know it wasn't even pro it it wasn't noble enough to be called protest poetry no it was just whiny poetry yeah it was definitely whiny yes and Um, but we would spend monday nights uh from like 10 p.m to who knows when right uh like critiquing each other's stuff and like it was those moments i learned how to edit and I learned how to kill my darlings. Yes, you, you know, grow, you grow tough skin in that setting you do. because you trust somebody as a friend, but you also realize, like, man, I really, I thought that was good, and you just told me it was terrible. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, out of that, like, kind of bond over poetry and that yeah. craft and wordplay, grew like a friendship where yeah. we became people. We became like pretty much probably one of the people in the whole world that I felt like. I could push against really strongly and would push against me really strongly because it grew out of an editing relationship. Exactly. So now we became each other's life editors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we could we could spar on like, you know, our ideas about church or yep. about ministry or about interpreting the Bible. And we could do it in a way where if I did that to this to the level that I do with you with mm-hmm. somebody else, it, emotionally it would draw blood. Definitely. But for you and I, it's more right. like, no, we can do that and walk away and just be fine. Yep. And that that's meant a lot. Yeah, it's been really nice to have that like safe space to be able to spar right. on ideas, right? And Even walk, if it's yeah. bruising, sometimes. yeah, <laughs> but walk away friends. Yeah, yeah. and so um, so that was a lot of fun. And and then you went into uh, you went into ministry, yep. uh, started as a worship pastor. Yeah, uh, but then now you're preaching and doing a teaching teaching minister job here in in North Richmond Hills. Yeah, been here for about uh, five years uh, as a as a teaching pastor, and um, you know our our senior uh, senior teaching pastor preaches. Probably about I don't know if it's thirty, you know, thirty five, thirty eight, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm preaching about somewhere between twelve and fifteen weekends a year, in yep. addition to other teaching, right? And then doing a lot of pastoring and yeah. relational stuff. And yep, 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 yep. yep. Um, and uh, and then I and I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, okay. Well, I just wanted people to know like how we knew each other. Oh, and you've also you've helped me with my two books that have come out you uh you you call it book doctoring yes yes uh author boot camp author boot camp that kind of stuff taylor will come up usually twice uh after i've written a first draft of a book and tear it to shreds and then i pick up the pieces and then he takes that one he goes oh this was better now let's mold this (laughs) and he's done that with 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 when god isn't there and rewire and uh those books are what they are today because of the work that you you were you went through with me on those so well you know i appreciate that but i've told you lots of times also and i'm happy to do it uh, publicly on, on the, the record, pod, on the record, <laughs> officially to tell you, you know, I, getting to do that was also formative for me because mm. of the um, the messages in both of those books about God's presence, but also about the power of the gospel to fight sin. Like that, yeah. that changed my prayer life. Man, um, yeah. it changed and, both of us a lot, especially yeah. Rewire. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I remember so. us fighting over something in Rewire uh, because it was like, no, like the gospel can't do that much. <laughs> we have to do this, right? And like. It was like it was sparring, yeah. And an hour after it, we both just like gave up. We're like, man, the gospel's good, right? <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So, baby Taylor, 
Little okay. little tiny baby Taylor. I want to take you in California. To that's right, Mission Viejo, California. Ooh. Very fancy. Very close to Laguna Beach. Um, but you can't say Laguna Beach because then Mission Viejo people would be like, "That's not." Well, right yeah, and that's where I was born. <laughs> I grew up in Laguna uh, Laguna Niguel, right by Laguna Beach. Um, lived there for the first ten years of my life. Preacher's kid. Yep. Um, loved wall ball. Wall ball. Um, <laughs> you know that's that uh, that's a throwback for you. Um, and, uh, and so just, I grew up around ministry. I grew mm-hmm. up in the, um, restoration movement of American churches. So the, the acapella churches of Christ, which means no, no band, right. no organ, four part harmony. Um, there you go. That's, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but, uh, my mom doesn't know how to harmonize. I love her so much. <laughs> I Kath- love your mom Catherine too. Catherine Walling is a saint, but she doesn't know how to harmonize. <laughs> so as a result, I grew up singing next to my mom, uh, because my dad would be on the front row ready to preach. And so I never learned how to harmonize, even though I grew up in a church that did, did like four part harmony All every week. <laughs> right. So my wife makes fun of me a lot for that because she's good. the music major in our family. Right. But you can, you can, you can hold your own on a melody. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's funny. Though. I didn't know that story. <laughs> anyway, so uh, um, yeah, lived. Uh, I went west coast to east coast in my upbringing. So, oh right. Yeah. 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 Basically, like Southern California first ten years, and then my family moved all the way across the country. My dad uh, got a, uh, got a preaching job at a different church um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So moved all the way across the country and did middle school, high school in uh, in Charlotte, and uh, and then ended up in the middle for. For college, right? Um, and so, when you were growing up, what was your relationship with the Bible like? Because that's what I want to talk about today: is yeah. like how our relationship with the Bible changes. And what I want to do, hopefully, is kind of draw a timeline for you, and hopefully, our listeners will be able to kind of pinpoint themselves in that timeline yeah. and go, "That's where I am," or "That's where I was," and or "That's not quite my journey." But we're all aiming, hopefully, if you're a spoken gospel podcast listener, aiming at the same place, which right. is. How do we see that the Bible is all about Jesus, and how does that change our lives? And so I kind of want to walk through your story as it relates to your relationship with the Bible. So yeah. you're a West Coast, East Coast kid, pre- preacher's kid, yeah. So who doesn't know how to harmonize? Always, yes, and all, always in church, and uh, and that meant like you know I had a, a dozen different Sunday school teachers uh, across uh, across the years growing up, and. And that started with like the felt board type. Oh, yeah. I don't know if anybody would remember that um, who's listening, but but you know, like just those little characters put up on the board. And so, for a while, like there was an aspect of the Bible that was, oh well, this is something God gave us. But really, it was about the people in the Bible, and mm. that that's what was emphasized were these different stories. And so, as a kid, it was stories about Daniel in the lion's den, or David fighting Goliath, or. Uh, or or Jesus feeding the five thousand with loves and fish because mm-hmm. a, oh a little boy just like you brought oh, him his lunch you know yep, like yep. it was that mm-hmm. kind of stuff so the stories were I mean they all finished with a a, a moral mm-hmm. you know I mean they were they were biblical but they were also in some ways presented like fables because they oh, had a moral they the had end. a moral at and the, end. the moral of the story is yes yes yeah. you can be brave like David uh, right. or trust trust God in the lion's den mm-hmm. I mean you you know the metaphorical or lion's Jesus den. can steal your lunch or Jesus <laughs> will steal your lunch <laughs> yeah no don't take fish to school um so like that was kind of uh that was how it was presented for a long time and I'll say this, I mean, I grew up in a church that loved God's word. Definitely. And so, and know, the and I think the restoration churches are notorious in a good way for that. Oh, They're yeah. known for being yes. people of the book. Scripture sticklers, yep. like that kind of an yeah. idea. Uh, and so like, like my you people. Know, yeah. If you're, if you're going to, if you're going to do it that way in church, show me, show right. me show why. Me. Book chapter verse. Exactly. That's the, that's the mantra. Exactly. Yep. 
so that that was kind of what I grew up with for um, for a long time, like like the from an upbringing standpoint, and and then probably like around I don't know maybe it was like middle school where getting into the youth group. Um, and I had a great youth minister who I love named Brad Childers. And Brad, uh, you know, Brad was one who um, was was trying to help us, like, engage with the Bible for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we would we would do Bible studies. Uh, and I remember Monday nights, we would do a Bible study, and then we would go to the mall, and I would eat Sparrow's Pizza um, <laughs> and, and buy a CD. Uh, that was back a when the, CD? I know. That was back when the record oh, industry man. was, like, so grateful for people like me because yeah. I was spending $15 on a piece of plastic. <laughs> Anyway, uh, and so I would, we would go to those, and looking back, I mean, one of the things that I'm reflecting on is realizing there was probably a base of knowledge that was being built, mm-hmm. at least, uh, maybe you could call it a foundation of familiarity. Yeah, that, I like, like that. Yep. that I, I was getting more, more comfortable with the world of the scriptures, but looking back, I don't have very specific memories mm. of uh, meaningful takeaways. Okay. It was more like, we're kind of people of the book. But what that meant for us beyond that we spend time in it, I don't really have a lot to reflect on with that, which is weird. Mm. I would think that I would. Yeah. But the but um, just do, know. Do you feel like you had like a strong morality growing up? Oh, for sure. But but that might have been at least experientially divorced from the teaching of scripture, and it was more like my parents say that's bad. Or uh, how did yeah, that work? Yeah, it would be some of that, or it would be like like the rules, you know, like the the standards in the Bible. Okay. Um you know, that's, that's what was why my parents say that's bad. So I understood that. Okay. I understood that okay. like that was their, that was their go-to. Right. But kind of like the, I mean, it's like, it's kind of like the no sex outside of marriage one where it's like, <laughs> I know the Bible says this is wrong, but where, right, <laughs> like, right. I don't know where to show you this. Right. It's like, but the Bible says so. Yeah. Whereas like to, you know, like, but here's one interaction with the Bible that I remember okay. growing up and it was like, I'm, I'm in middle school. I'm beginning to experiment with profanity Ooh. because I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm around, I'm around kids who are teaching me with all kinds of words. Well, unfortunately I get overly familiar with some of these words and forget that when I go home, I cannot say those words in front of my mom and dad. Uh, and, and I, I drop some words in my home under my breath when I'm mad thinking no oh, one hears, no. I'm walking up the stairs. I turn the corner and my dad is right there. And he's heard every, every awful thing I've just said under my breath thinking, you know, and, and, um, I remember the next morning, uh, one, I like, I went straight to bed the next morning I get up, it's Saturday. They make me come down to the kitchen table and they have on a plate, a paper plate, a pile of dirt, Oh no! which, uh, they asked me to put a clump of it into my mouth <laughs> while they lecture me. And, uh, and, and then when they're done with the lecture, I can spit out the dirt. It was, this is, this, I sound so cliche, but I promise it's not. It was raining Saturday morning and they made me go out in the yard and pick up like, uh, like these, um, like sticky balls that would fall from these trees. Oh, like yeah, those yeah, little, yeah. those little stickers. Yep. I had to go collect a bag's worth of that, that in the rain. throw at your friends. And the other thing I had to do was my dad had a list of scriptures about the tongue mm-hmm. and about your words. Mm-hmm. And I had to copy them. Uh, each verse three times in cursive. Okay. And uh, and so you know, plenty out of the Book of James and all that kind of stuff. Where I'm and and Proverbs. And, yeah. And uh, and so like it's weird. I didn't think that would come up, but like that's something that when I look back, I realize like in disciplinary situations, mm-hmm. that was a big moment with uh, like this is what the Bible says. In, yeah. In in um in some cases with how I grew up. I'm so, so curious about like what that means like. What is that communicating, you know? Uh, and like, let's let's say, let's just let's just go ahead and make this statement. Uh, 
I like we obviously love, respect, and honor your parents. Oh, I love for sure. Jeff and Catherine yeah, to death. Absolutely. So let's just take parenting off the table. You and I are new parents yes. too. So it's yeah. like, you know, we're gonna mess up and do weird things right. and make our kids eat I don't know what, you know. Um but I'm like, okay, let's just if we can divorce it from the personal side just for a second. Yeah, for sure. And go like I mean, experientially or uh maybe even philosophically. What does it communicate when we when we say you've done something wrong? Now um, eat dirt and copy the scriptures that tell you you've done wrong. I you like, know, I'm just that's, right. Like, I definitely grew up in a similar environment. Right. I think. I mean. I, I guess. I guess if I'm trying, if I'm trying to distance myself from it, I think part of it, uh, if I'm thinking well of my parents um, and and their intentions was oh, tied definitely. was tied to the warnings in scripture are there for a reason. Definitely. You know the yep. con- the consequences of. Uh, sin, not only like, oh, now you're in trouble because you got caught, but really your words matter and mm-hmm. what you're saying can impact and, and hurt and influence people. Um, and, and your words are a reflection of, uh, of how God is or is not. And this point, at this point also, I should say, I'm a baptized believer. Right. You know, like, like it's, and so that's, that was the other piece was like, hey, who are you made to be? And mm-hmm. these warnings are to followers of Jesus in right. the book of James. You're right. a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You need to process. So there was that. I think the the dirt thing, you know, my dad's a preacher, so I think it was also like a metaphor. You oh, know? yeah, <laughs> and your dad loves visual illustrations. Yeah, 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 for sure. But but I think one of the other things that I kind of walked away with with that um, was was from a, from a disciplinary standpoint um, that that God's word is to be taken seriously, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that what was missing in some of that was alongside the serious warnings, mm-hmm. uh, just as real as the warnings uh, is the grace and forgiveness. Yeah, the promises. And, that, yeah. and I'm sure that morning my parents said something about grace. Oh, I'm sure. I just didn't you walk away yeah, remembering you don't remember it. <laughs> in my brain, that's not, no, that, that's not on the marquee that, right. that Saturday morning. I'm just like, I, I feel like that is the conception that a lot of us come out of especially more like traditional Christian households with right. Uh, that's the view of the Bible we come out with is like, it's a book full of don'ts yeah. that tells you what happens if you mess up. Right. And it's like, that's kind of what you feel. And, and so, it, you know, especially when it's like, when do we run to the Bible? You know, it's like whenever mm. we want to address how we act and behave. And I think often, especially as kids, uh, you know, when parents are looking for like, grasping and groping for ways to try to find biblical Christian grounds to help their kids be good. Right. You know, it's like, well, the Bible says it. Let's, let's, let's bring that into the conversation. And it ends up creating this kind of relationship that's like behavior based with the Bible. And I I think that question, when do we run to the Bible is a really important one Mm -hmm. because when I look back, I think, okay, when, when something good was happening, we like my, my parents were quick to run to the Lord. Yes. And like give credit and say a prayer of thanks. Mm-hmm. But like, it's not like scripture wasn't a big part of celebrations. Oh, yeah. You know okay. what I mean? Like, sure. yep. like in terms of running to or, or remembering or quoting or those things like that, that didn't necessarily come up, even though I'm sure it was in my parents' heart. Definitely. But it wasn't necessarily like something we talked about um, in those moments. Mm-hmm. Whereas from a disciplinary or from a cautionary standpoint, of what right. kind of people you're hanging out with or, or like, let's talk about guidelines as you're dating, you know, that kind of stuff. Like that was where... Oh, Bible's here to rein you in, yeah. you know, and that was more, I think that question of when do we run to the Bible is, is a really important one uh, when you think about not only the bad times or the times where you need caution or you need a conviction, but also 
like like how do you how do you process and celebrate you know mm -hmm. how, like like what's your in what way does the Bible give you a framework for um, for the really good good times and good things? Right. Anyway, yeah. And so um, in those let's I, I don't know we can stay in this because how old were you in that in that situation? I mean, yeah, that's like that's like uh, middle school. Okay. I mean, so like we can stay in middle school, high school kind of age range. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, when 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 the Bible was taught, maybe like let's go to like your youth group or something. You know, like high school youth group. Well, or, here let me something. let me let me let me offer this because I think I think this is an important thing that I'm as I was just reflecting. You know. Yeah. Like, I, I want to be clear that that from a growing up standpoint, the um, the necessity and the the primacy of um, you know salvation by grace through faith mm -hmm. that basically like without Jesus there's no, there's nothing there's no life mm -hmm. and I remember this in part because my dad had this favorite sermon illustration that if me or one of my two younger brothers were anywhere near him on one of the first couple of rows and he got to a moment in his sermon where he wanted to make this point he did this a couple times across the you know decade plus that we were at this church he would call one of us up. Mm -hmm. And then in front of everybody, it was the most embarrassing thing. He would, he would in front of everybody, put his, both his hands like Fredo style, like on your face, Godfather style. And then, and then he would, uh, and you would just turn beet red. And he would say, um, I don't care if you flunk out of high school. I don't care if you never get a job. I don't care. And he would just list, like, if I was just the biggest deadbeat, you know, right. he would just list all these things. And he would say, um, you know, as long as you love and trust Jesus. Yeah. That's what's most important. That's mm -hmm. the most important thing in the world. And so he had moments like that, like really just like like, you know, full in the face moments of I want you to know Christ. And and at the same time, I think what was difficult was re was that those moments as as memorable as they were for my experience in that in those teenage years was not necessarily like very well for me mentally grounded or connected to my understanding of how I read the Bible. Mm -hmm. So so like the Bible was there to, to bring these warnings and to, and to keep me from, you know, going too far with my girlfriend or right. saying certain words or hanging around certain types of people um, or, or being mean to my siblings. But then when it came to, I just need you to have faith in Jesus, mm -hmm. it got turned into this personalized, somewhat disconnected thing, mm. even though obviously for my dad, he could have he could have given me a million verses. Oh, totally. Right. And, pro and probably sometimes did, but yeah. I didn't walk away with them. Right. You know, like yeah. like tucked in my heart. Totally. Anyway. So that that would be, and I, I think that would be similar in some ways to my uh, youth group days, mm. where it was like, it was still, that thing, that message was preached right. about needing Jesus and him being enough. But if you asked me to, to create a, a, a line for you mm -hmm. from a scriptural standpoint of exactly why I believe that and how I could reinforce that for myself on my own when I go to college, I didn't have good answers. Mm. I think it's really interesting uh, to kind of talk about the um, experience of grace that we have as people who grow up Christian and we hear the gospel all the time and, and we hear it in really powerful ways. To, I mean, I love that picture of a father holding his son and saying, I don't care how messed up you are. I'm still going to love you as long as you, and not yeah. love you, but like, as long as you hold fast to Jesus, everything's going to be okay. Right. Like that's right. the gospel. Yeah. Like it's like, you know, countless second chances we've been given at the cross as Rin Collective would say, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then yet when we go to scripture, it's almost like we, we turn that off and not necessarily our parents or our teachers, like every, I think every human 
turns it off. Yeah. And I think part of that is we've talked about this on the, on the show before. And it's like one of my favorite things to talk about is like because the Bible uh, is unlike any other book in the world. Because there are, there, there are countless other books in the world that there are barriers to. Right, right. They can be really long books, yeah. really confusing books. They can be books with cultural barriers, time barriers, language barriers. Faulkner. Yeah, right. You know, they can be all kinds of books that are that that are just hard to understand. But there is one barrier that the Bible has that no other book has, and that there is a spiritual barrier to the Bible. And so, I don't care if you're six or you've been or you've been preaching for sixty years. When you come to that that book, there is a spiritual war happening. And I'm getting all of this out of Second Corinthians three right. and four. And because uh, Satan has put a veil over our hearts that keeps us from seeing the glory of Jesus in all of Scripture. And so we come to Scripture, and what does Satan, the accuser, the one who always wants to bring condemnation to the soul, what does he want us to see? Rules yep. and failure and, and shame. And shame. Yeah. Of course that's what we walk away with the Bible with natively, right. because that's all our hearts are allowed to see without help. And so it's like it, it kind of makes sense that we can have this external Christian community that is speaking the gospel to us, yep. and yet as soon as we come to Scripture, we just feel condemned, and 100%. it's all morals and rules. That's really interesting. I don't think I've ever thought of it like that. Yeah, and that and that that was my experience into college. Of course, and like and like you know, I, I think I can remember times where um, where you know, like if I if I went on on a date with my uh, my girlfriend, who then became became my wife. You know, I went on a date and we went too far, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, just you know, like th- if it was a weekend, I was not going to church that weekend. Mm, I just, too much shame. Too much shame. Yeah. Too much shame. Com- completely. And so, like uh, through college, I, I walked I walked away from church with you know uh, from from my upbringing with an with an under, a basic understanding of. Uh, God and his love for me and Jesus and yet at the same time like you said like this this, this inability mm-hmm. to um, come to the, and unless I went to my favorite safe corners of scripture unless, oh, I, went, unless yeah. I went to those places I found myself over and over again just wrestling with either wanting to avoid it because I didn't understand it uh, or or wanting to avoid it because I did understand it mm-hmm. uh, through the lens of condemnation and shame and guilt and right. feeling condemned and and, and so a couple of things that kind of turned the corner for me inside of college was, uh, number one, there's a, there's a, um, some, a bunch of lectures uh, by a guy named uh, Ray Vanderlaan, mm. who kind of did some stuff with, that was kind of a, you know, he had studied a lot about the um, rabbinic and Jewish backgrounds. Oh, yeah. And so it just helped me, because I wasn't a Bible major, uh, appreciate a different kind of meta narrative of scripture, yeah. the Abrahamic covenant, though like those kind of things that I hadn't studied at all. Right, you're like, oh, this isn't a rule book. This is a storybook. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the idea of Jesus bringing to the biblical languages fulfillment mm-hmm. all of these threads. Right. And so that like opened a world for me. Well, and especially as an English major. Oh, hundred. You're like you're learning and thinking and steeped in themes, motifs, and the Bible is the best of them all. Seriously. Yeah. And so I'm appreciating the Bible as literature, yes. like I never have before. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm going to a church, um, it's called Bridgeway Church. Which and, is where I go now. Yes, that's yeah. correct. And uh, and when I was in college, they were in between, uh, in between pastors. Preachers, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, so they're, 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 they hire a new preacher, um, and he's a new a new preacher to them, but not a new preacher. Not a new preacher, he's been preaching like 40 his years. Name, yeah. His name is Sam Storms. Right, who's now my preacher. Yes, yeah. and, uh, and so uh, this is my first time 
to sit under and have a weekly experience of expository preaching. Right. Which what's um, define expository preaching? So, uh, I mean, you you would be able to give me a better de- definition. <laughs> I know, but well, I give my <laughs> my definition is uh, you read the whole text first, uh-huh. and then uh, and then you teach right from that one text, and you explain it verse by verse, line by line. In some cases, depending on what's happening, almost word by word mm. to help kind of explain. Uh, and and draw out. Here's the meaning right. in context. Yeah. Sam, Sam's definition is uh, the point of the sermon is the point of the text. Okay. So there Which you is go. Classic um, Sam. Is right. Really right. Good. Right. Yeah. Right. And I've heard one of those books that's called like Let Let the Text Win. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like right. that. That kind of idea. Which. So you're sitting under this for the first time. Right. Ever. Which. Which my. You know. Um. I had grown up around a tribe that did a lot more narrative preaching, a lot of topical preaching. So today we're going to talk about faith and okay. then lots. Of, here's here's a couple different scriptures tied to that uh-huh. or. Um, here's a story uh, in the Gospels. And you can, and and like, you know, they would teach aspects of it, but it was a lot of, they were uh, often what was taught was the principles of the text more than teaching the text. Right. Uh, And in in a, I grew up in a Church of Christ tradition where you taught the text in Sunday school. Mm. You preached the principles of pieces of Scripture in the sermon moment. Oh, I see. So it's not that the text was never taught in where I grew up. It's that it was happening with adults Mm -hmm. in a different setting. Right. So anyway, just just as a side note. um, So so then I'm sitting under Sam, and I'm taking all these different notes, Mm -hmm. preaching these sermons, and it's helping me see there's a different... There's a different mindset to take when I when I open God's Word, mm. and part of what that eventually led me towards was getting to a place where I wanted to go. Um, I wanted to go first for revelation before I went looking for application. Yes, and and to say that a different way, a, l- a little more simply, I wanted to go first to know God better, mm-hmm. not to not to find out how to be better, mm-hmm. and that. Um, that was really freeing. Yeah, like, that's really awesome. That 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 changed. Uh, it's not that I, I could still open a, a, a scripture and read and and see something God was leading me into. Definitely. But um, but first I saw whatever that was as a reflection of His heart mm. and as a reflection of who He is, as a reflection of uh, what Jesus has already done for me. And that um, I would not at you know as a senior graduating have been able to articulate it that way mm-hmm. but that's what was beginning to shift sure and so then when i uh I'm, you know we'll skip into kind of the the 20s where i am uh, i interned for a year and then i started into full-time ministry and um and i started working through um for myself like how do i engage with god's word mm-hmm. and um and all those things kind of sent me on this journey where I started listening to a lot of different uh, sermons, started reading different books, and so uh, some really formative ones for me at the time, which I know are are, um, are are pretty common formative, like would be John Stott's Cross of Christ. Amen. Um, where I just I saw the um, the gospel, the gospel, and and the passion of Christ, like, oh, like so you good. know his his crucifixion um, in in a very different light to understand. Uh, I had a different idea of what. Because I, I, I didn't have good answers for what Jesus accomplished exactly. on the cross, yep. except that the way that we I would have said it growing up was like, well, Jesus paid for my sins. Right. Jesus paid it all. Like right. I knew that. Right. But, but how? What does that mean? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so that that was formative for me mm-hmm. because it, it helped me to appreciate why is this why is this the, the death, thing the the epicenter <laughs> yeah. of the Christian faith, and um, and then uh, in addition to that, um, somebody that uh, is a Pretty pretty well known today now. Uh, his name's Tim Keller. He's a, mm-hmm. a preacher and a pastor in New York City, and um, and and a best selling author. And so I started podcasting some of his sermons, 
And what was fascinating to me was that he was able to speak to, I mean, he's preaching in the city to a bunch of New Yorkers. He's in Manhattan. He's in Manhattan. Yeah. It's, it's post-Christian. There's a bunch of people there who are, you know, like from... Wall Street. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you've got you've got the, the professional aspect of people living for their careers and for an influence in the world. You've got a ton of other faiths represented in the city mm-hmm. and all kinds of different backgrounds. And yet he's speaking to them in a way that, one, acknowledges their world. And he was able to brilliantly sort of connect the Bible's world mm-hmm. and worldview and get past some of the cultural things that make it seem so distant yeah. and connect it with our worldviews today right. to show like for all the ways we think we've changed. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> these, like, these baseline problems right. still exist. And some of the narratives of, well, we're way past that. Oh yeah. Uh, that, that some of that, that the progressive narrative is, yep. uh, is, is more, uh, more, kind of I mean that's some of it's just straight up fiction. Yep. And and some of it is like, well, you've 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 said something somewhat true, but you've taken it too far. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and then the thing that I loved was I was listening to the sermons where he would be teaching this and he could be, you know, he could be anywhere in the in the old testament. He could be in a psalm. It could be uh it could be in a, a you know a, a book like Nehemiah or, right. or like like somewhere that, you know, or Genesis, somewhere where I would think you know, besides some obvious prophecies about Jesus, I wouldn't necessarily see Jesus in that of course. part of the scripture. And then he would make this turn. Yep. And uh, all of a sudden we're at the foot of the cross. Right. And, <laughs> and I remember like I, listening to those sermons. I, I might be driving in my car or, or going on a, a run and like my heart would beat faster. Mm-hmm. Like I, I felt like it was unlocking this, this new world of understanding. Yep. And well, it's like his own wife will say, um, that was a good lesson. And then once you got to Jesus, you started to preach. Right, right. Like, yeah, and I've heard him in an interview say that like that, that his wife, Kathy, will will take notes uh-huh. for the first part. Yep. But when he gets to Jesus, he puts her pen and down. she starts worshiping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what you were feeling in the car. Oh, 100%. Was it was like, okay, once we get to Jesus, this moves out of being cerebral right. and becomes something, I mean... Other, right? It becomes something spiritual, and yeah. it becomes something life transforming. Yeah, and so, so like during all of that time, um, there's a there's a guy who ends up coming to my church. He mm. comes in through a ministry called Celebrate Recovery, and uh, and his name was Jonathan. He starts uh, coming to services, and then he gets baptized. And I realize this is a guy with not a lot of connections in our church. Mm-hmm. So he he believes in he believes in Jesus, but he's a baby Christian. Um, and so I, I, I don't want him to kind of fall through the cracks. So I, I reach out to him. I had happened to hang out with him at a, a young adults event, um, like a Super Bowl party or something. Yeah. And uh, and so after he gets baptized, I like reach out and I realize nobody, um, you know, he, he didn't have anybody he was going to continue to weekly like study with or do discipleship. discipleship. Yeah. So like I'm like, all right, I'll dude, I, I'll disciple you. <laughs> um, and it was the first time that I was sitting down. Uh, I had been in such such an insulated environment mm-hmm. of people who uh, already had the foundation of familiarity with Scripture, right? And so I didn't have to do a lot of legwork initially. Mm-hmm. Well, instead, now I'm sitting weekly at Qdoba with Jonathan, and he's asking the most basic questions, and he's right. you know things as as you know just like. It's just helping me. It's like trying to teach English to somebody and realizing how complicated our language is. Um, <laughs> That's a good illustration. And, yeah. and like, and and even even things like, well, the Gospel of John's not written by the guy named John that you in first read about because yeah. that's John the Baptist. <laughs> I know it's no, it's the first chapter. It's I before E, except after C. Yeah, exactly. Except in all these places, right? right. And <laughs> and uh, and we kept getting to moments 
where jo- Jonathan, you know, who's coming from a, a, a rehab background mm-hmm. and um, and coming from a place where you know he was just, I mean, he's a single guy living for for himself and for and for his pleasure, and and he he would say, I mean, he shared his testimony later to our entire church, um, uh, you know, just we would get to these moments where he would be like, wait, so so you're saying I can't X, Y, Z. Like right. you're, you're saying I can't, I can't like sleep with girls I meet on a date. Right. Like, like those kind of things. And, and it would, and I, I would have to get to a place where I had to, number one, try and share faithfully what was in scripture, but number two, not apply a law to him right? and send him to Jesus. Yep. And, and I, I re, like the times where I didn't do it well, I saw how, uh, not hopeless, but like, sort of um discouraged right. he felt so, well, how am i gonna do that exactly yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. that was that was his sentiment and but then when he's the, making me eat dirt in a rainstorm <laughs> man yeah <laughs> and when and the times when i when when god would help me to better get away from making a rule for him and instead saying jonathan this is look this is what i'm showing you in god's word but also i want you to understand like this is this is given to you by God because he loves you. And remember, why did you, why did you get baptized? What do you believe about Jesus? And we mm-hmm, go back to those mm-hmm, basics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and at the time, besides listening to Tim Keller's sermons, um, I just did, I didn't have an access. I, I just wasn't aware of a world of gospel-centered resources. Right. There was no spoken gospel podcast to help me. <laughs> I'm just saying you came too late, David. I'm sorry. We were um, late in the game. But... Uh, but it was really formative for me mm. to do that, and at the same time, I won't go into the, as many of the details. But at the same time, in my uh, in my weekly house church, mm-hmm. we had another uh, new couple who were new believers come in to a house church that was mostly people who had been in church their whole life. Right. So all of a sudden, we are uh, we were working through Zondervan's The Story. Oh, so we're going yep. through the big, mm-hmm. the, you know, the upper story, lower story of Scripture, which uh, they basically created like a, um, you know, basically taking the Bible and helping to put it more in the order in which all of the events took place. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's more, I think it's a bridge to the story version. Yep. Um, that, uh, that basically just can be like a one year journey mm-hmm. through the story of scripture. And, uh, and so all of a sudden we found ourselves having to go back to the basics and having to explaining to new believers why pieces were happening that were eventually going somewhere right? and how, I mean, we had a big discussion about the sacrificial system and yeah. all that kind of stuff that you know wasn't wasn't as articulate um, uh, or as well studied as some of the Leviticus episodes, <laughs> uh, but but still was trying to get at that same heart. Definitely. And it was um, I look back really fondly on that season because I realized God gave me in a one-on-one setting and in a group setting ways to process um, the Bible in a new way, mm. focused on and pointed to Jesus and. Uh, and I don't remember when exactly I really saw Luke 24 for what it was, but that <laughs> yeah. would be the last one of the last pieces of kind of where mm-hmm. I continue to be today, which is um, in Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus, uh, the road to Emmaus, Jesus is walking with, uh, you know, and he's already risen from the grave. Right. He's walking. There's a couple of his disciples, Cleopas, and I contend Peter. There you go. Um, and. Uh, and and so they're they're walking and they're walking away from Jerusalem. I've heard people say, you know, that's like a vision of them, a picture of them walking away from the faith they thought they had. Right. And um, and eventually, like Jesus, you know, overhears them talking and they're talking about him yeah. and everything that's happened. And he's like, what's you know, what's the deal? And they're like, have you not been paying attention? And, and then they preach him the gospel. Th- yeah. And then they tell him <laughs> about him, and and they're and they're all disappointed um, because because they thought. 
you know, that he was going to be the one. And eventually, um, Jesus gets to this place where he says in verse 25, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then, verse 27, Mm -hmm. Luke does like one of those moments where I wish he had given us several pages. And instead, there's so many other discourses in Luke, but here we get one verse. Verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And later, mm-hmm. as after Jesus leaves them, they're reflecting, once they've realized it was Jesus, and they said to each other in verse 32, did our heart, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then shortly after that, Jesus does essentially the same thing. With all the disciples. With all the disciples, and opens their minds to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think some of that was, for me, uh, wasn't just, I, I went to Luke and found that. It was partly through a... Uh, a book that you recommended to mm-hmm. me called Jesus on Every Page by David Murray. Which we're, yeah, um, which we're, we're trying to get him on the podcast in like a month or so. Oh, that would be so awesome. He would be such a better guest than me. <laughs> um, <laughs> He'd be a better host than me, so yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So um, plus he's, you know, he got that Scottish accent, so yeah. that's awesome too. Anyway, so that, that really has just transformed now, um, you know, like going to the Word and, and praying each time and asking the Holy Spirit to help me see Jesus, to meet Jesus in this whatever part mm-hmm. of the text I'm in, and recognizing that there may be something there that God does want to challenge me on, and that's happened before. Uh, does want you know does want to lovingly show me here's a place where you need to repent and mm-hmm. find real life in me again. Definitely. Um, and at the same time, I re- I experience that in a much more freeing, mm-hmm. trusting kind of way, mm-hmm. because it is. Um, through the lens and cradled in the arms of God's grace for me displayed in Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, I think one thing I hadn't thought about, and that's my favorite story in the whole Bible. I mean, it's the yeah. foundational text for our our ministry. Right. And But one thing I hadn't realized is, I mean, I've said it when I've preached this passage. You just said it. I've heard other preachers say it, that, uh, you know, that one verse that says, you know, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them everything concerning himself. And he's like, man, that, that's the best Sunday school lesson ever ever preached. Or like, I wish they would have had an audio recorder. Right. And I'm like, hmm, hold on a second. I think something really important is happening here. That, um, that isn't it amazing that we've been given permission, right? But not all the details to go yeah. search Jesus out in Scripture. And so we're like, we're asking the question throughout this whole episode, like, what should our relationship with the Bible be? Is it morals and teaching and like, you know, discourse? And should we just focus on the the people in the stories and, and how we can make it an Aesop's fable? And all, how do we how do we bring the, the grace we experience in Christian community and the gospel to our biblical reading and all this stuff? And it's like, oh, here's a meditative invitation to all of Scripture that we go to the Bible prayerfully and we get to then get that peek into that lesson that we want yeah. and it's one-on-one we get to go on the road to Emmaus with Jesus right and day after day passage after passage year after year we get to walk with Jesus and he gets to open our eyes to all the things in scripture concerning himself yeah and not only that when you think about you know Luke acts as this really like you know part one part two volume right. you have uh, you have the disciples you have uh Paul and, uh, and and Priscilla and Aquila, even with Apollos in uh, mm-hmm. Acts 18, like that we do for others 
uh, that really the Spirit does does yes. through us for others what Jesus did with the disciples. That's right. Everywhere they go, they start talking about yep. the 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 Jesus and the fulfillment of Scripture. That's right. And that's what they're doing. Paul's they're, mo: anytime he would come into a new city, he would go to the synagogue yep. where the Torah was, yep. and he would open it up and be like, "Here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. Yes. Here's Jesus." And, yeah. And that's that's how the church spread. Right. That was the that was for them their their, their missionary strategy and their apologetic to the Jews. Oh, yes, absolutely. Because he proved to them. He proved to them. That's yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and it's just so cool to think now when I, you know, I, I disciple some guys on Tuesday morning and now, you know, when the first time we met over over coffee, I, I showed them this mm-hmm. in Luke 24. And I said, guys, when we do this together, here's what you need to know. Here's where I'm coming from. And that was the first part of discipleship with them was helping them understand as we open these these scriptures, wherever we're going to be, we're always we're always going to ask, uh, how do we see Jesus? How does yeah. Jesus meet us here? Um, and uh, and that's mm. that's been so transformative, and it's so freeing for not feeling like I have to come up so- with something on for Tuesday mornings. But yes. instead, we're we're going to open, we're going to pray, we're going to process. But we're you know we're going to get to Jesus, right? Because He's there. Yep. Uh, I'm so curious too. Then not only on Tuesday mornings, but on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Right. So, talk to me a little bit as we close here about like. Um, your journey as a preacher with this, because uh, I've gotten to watch it live. Yeah, you know, on listening to your sermons over the last even five years, when you started at the hills versus where you are now, is very different. How you land the plane five years ago yeah. and how you land the plane today. Oh man, big time. It's well, even different. it's not even how just how I land the plane. It's even how it's like the the, the, the whole flight. The whole flight is different. Is, is different. Um, so I, I think there's there's there more. used to be a lot of more in-flight entertainment. Uh, okay, fair enough. That's that's just because if you've ever heard a David Bowden sermon, you know he doesn't tell stories. Nope. And if he did, it's because I guilted him into doing it because it was helpful to understand the text. This is all true. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so there's first off, I want to I want to uh, tease this because there's 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 a, a little bit of a longer and also more in the weeds answer that I think we can get get into in that 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 uh, third third piece we're gonna do. Yep, in a couple uh, weeks. Third yeah. installment. So. Uh, so I'll say that first, because if I, I'll paint with broad strokes okay. initially. Yeah, feel free. Um, man, I think, I think initially my my pressure as as a, a preacher who had preached at the time less than you know less than twenty sermons. I mean, like, right. you know, I'm 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 in. I I was just, I felt like I had to have something to say, mm-hmm. and so that's how I approached what I, you know, like my research. And when you research, say have something to say, like, do you mean something original or fresh or creative or, or yeah, what? I mean, it, yeah, it was partly that, but it was part, it was partly like, I, I didn't understand that, um, that ex- explaining mm-hmm. and, and just teaching the text and pointing to Jesus was enough. Right. So you, you felt like the power had to come from you in a sense, or yeah. maybe what you oh, say. Oh, I don't want to put right, words in right. your mouth. Well, and, that... and it wasn't even just like it had to come from me. It was more like what it turned into was now I'm going to go mine clips of Francis Chan or, <laughs> or I'm going to ask, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to go podcast or watch a bunch of other preachers online who has the best illustrations. Oh, oh that, that, that was yeah. funny. That landed. That yeah. landed. Oh, okay. Boom, boom. Now I'm going to puzzle piece. And that was for a while. That was how I did it. Right. Um, because I was trying, I, I, I was trying to be good. Yeah, you didn't want it to suck. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I was trying to be good rather than trying to be faithful, which mm. I know like that's trite or that's cliche, but really like I like it. <laughs> it was it's become convicting for me. Yeah. Because um because at the end of the day, I'm uh, here's my thing. I'm also I have a theater background. Mm-hmm. We I, both you know, do. We did theater right. together. So yeah. so part of part of what was built in me was like when you get on stage, don't be boring. Right. You know, and so I I had to like I had to trust and have different metrics, but also I had to re- realize you know, for for the best teachers, if they're 
and I don't mean preachers, I really mean just like like any teacher. If mm-hmm. you're excited about what you're teaching, yeah. then that makes a big difference. And yeah. if and so I had to work and pray, really not not just work, I had to pray myself into uh, and getting excited about what was there and not mm-hmm. feeling like it needed help. Sure. But instead, it, it, it needed some cultural translation, mm-hmm. but it didn't need help to be right. exciting. It didn't need help to be, um, to have some heat. Um, and, and so anyway, that, that was a piece of it was just, and I get that that's more surfacey, but that was what I was wrestling with initially. Mm. Now I, I, I come to a place where I wrestle more and I'm praying and, and going, I walk in assuming the gospel's there. Right. Absolutely. I didn't used to do that at all. Yeah. It's like I, how we, it's how we start every episode with the little <laughs> the voiceover of every spoken gospel podcast. It's like, this is our experiment to publicly test this belief right. that we believe that Jesus is in all of scripture. Yeah. And like we, we start with that presupposition and like. I, I, I don't think we're ever going to be proved wrong. I don't think Jesus in Luke 24 is going to be proved exactly, wrong. You know? Exactly. And so, so like that's a big difference today is, I, one, I begin knowing gospel principles tied to faith in Jesus and not trusting in my own works uh, and not being dragged away to idols that, mm-hmm. that would, you know, like those, those things. I might not always talk about it that way, right. but those principles are hiding in uh, either they're plain as day or they're hiding in the subtext of the text mm-hmm. um, of, or what's going on in the larger book that I'm teaching out of or whatever. And so that those assumptions are already there for me, right. which means I never start with a blank page. Yes. You like, never have to go, what am I going to talk about this week? Right, right. It's going to be, it's going to be the gospel. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah, we're, 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 but it's going to be one of the, right. one of the millions of ways yeah. to see it. So it, it becomes now for me, it becomes more a, a, a way of wrestling through, um, you know, sometimes it's not just, oh, I'm going to get to the gospel. Sometimes I look at something, I'm like, no, we got to start with the gospel. Oh, right. And that yep. will help explain where we're going to go from yes, here. Right. And other times it's, you get to a sticking point in the middle of this, and that's, oh, that's where it is. That's mm-hmm. where I'm going to process this. So that's been a big change for me. The other thing uh, has been working through and, and realizing I, I, I don't want to shy away from the application that's in the text. Right. And and that that was a da- that was kind of one of those like, you know, um like maybe you could call it like a uh, a uh, an overreaction mm-hmm. um and and it was like it had it had grace intentions behind it, but it was like, oh now now I'm scared to preach what you should do even though right. this in this laundry list passage from Paul, Paul says you should do some things. Right. Or um, not do a bunch of things. Or not do a right. bunch of things. And so uh and so I've had to also kind of uh, get to a place of working through. All right, I'm 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 not only going to trust that the gospel's there. I'm going to trust that uh, that what's being taught, or mm-hmm. what's, or you know, as as I work and study and 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 work through it, like that what's that whatever's being commanded is also a good thing. Right. If there is an if, imperative. If there, there, yeah, exactly. And you know, obviously, you're talking through context of where it is in scripture. Right. And, you know, what covenant and blah blah blah. Yep. But but still not being afraid of those things either. Right. So the, I think I think yeah. it, I think the the real tension is, is that you deal with now that you've settled I know I have to fight for the Bible does speak to us and our lives. Yeah. I think the thing we've wrestled through is is application only ever a moral imperative. Oh. Do or don't do something good or bad. No. 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 Sometimes the text is just believe. Right. Or behold. Yeah. Or trust, or repent, or repent, yeah, or like tame your tongue, you know, like. <laughs> but like we've talked about how like a, a, I think one thing that a lot of preachers don't do, and a lot of us when we read our Bibles, we feel like we haven't taken away something substantive, yeah, 
is if we walk away with just like, man, I just feel like all that was there today was just seeing how God was faithful in this text. And like, what am I supposed to do with that? Oh, rejoice, have faith. Yeah. Believe, let it strengthen you. Right. Like persevere. Yes. And it's like, you don't have to walk away going, okay, I got to slay my giants. It's like, right. there can be just good takeaways and applications, which are believe, trust. Like, I mean, especially in John. Yeah. Anytime you preach in John, if believe isn't one of your applications, you probably didn't preach the text right. <laughs> right. And like, I mean, you look at, you know, it makes me think about Ephesians 3, where Paul, like his arguably one of his most famous prayers that's so big and epic is all about understanding God's love for you. Yeah. Like for if, you know, if we turn that into a sermon outline, we'd be like, really? That's, that's yeah. it. Whereas like when we read the passage, we're like, that's amazing. Yeah. That's beautiful. Now I'm going to co-opt it for a capital campaign. Like, you know, <laughs> that's like, that's the thing that when I look at that and I remember asking when I first came uh, to the church I'm currently at, I remember asking lots of different people, um, what do you think the Hills needs to hear? And getting different suggestions. Mm. And one of the ones that was most memorable was uh, was a guy who said, uh, he referenced Ephesians 3, and he said, we need to hear how much God loves us yeah. and what it, and, and like how much it takes from God for us to know and even grasp, like begin to grasp how much he loves us. Mm. And I remember walking away thinking like, wow, I, I I wouldn't intuitively preach a sermon like that. Right. But here it is right here. Yep. Um, and, and, uh, and the gospel becomes the vehicle by which we get to display God's incredible love. The consummate vision of God's love yes. for us. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's awesome, Tay. I appreciate it. Um, uh, man, I have so many other things I want to say, but we're going to, this would drag out to a three hour episode yeah, if, if I sure. didn't. So yeah. luckily we get to spend a couple more weeks together. So that's good. Yeah. That'd be uh, great. And I get to ask questions next time. Yeah, you do. I'll try to, I'll try to come prepared. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, well, man, thank you for being on today. Uh, I love your story. Um, and, uh, I love everything God's been doing in you and your ministry. And, uh, every time you preach, I listen. And so if Aww. you guys want to hear Taylor preach, uh, what's the, 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 the Hills? Yeah. Is what uh, the Hills church, uh, and the, the our, our, uh, church site is, is, uh, the Hills.org. And, uh, and if you happen to hear a guy with a super Texan accent. His name is Rick Atchley. He's my boss. I love him. He's he, awesome. He's a great preacher. Rick is, uh, is so, also a Tim Keller fan. Oh, and yeah. A, a great preacher. Yep. Loves Jesus. Absolutely. I would, I would also recommend listening to Rick. He's great. Big time. Uh, but yeah, head, yeah, yeah uh, search for uh, The Hills Church on your uh, on your podcast app. Find some sermons by Taylor. He just preached through a series on uh, images of the Holy Spirit, yeah. which was super cool. So that was fun. Uh, anyway, Tay, Love you. So glad you're on here. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Uh, Taylor will be on next week to ask me some questions about my journey and why Spoken Gospel exists and all that. So we hope you'll find that interesting and that you'll uh, tune back in next week. But in the meantime, have an awesome week and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to creating free, gospel-centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. So to join us in our mission and view our resources, we invite you to visit SpokenGospel.com. Spoken Gospel.